Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 1 Nephi 7 today, and guess what? It's another trip back to Jerusalem. After searching the scriptures and testifying to his family of the importance of them, Lehi now gets another message from the Lord that he needs to send the boys back to Jerusalem for some wives. Without wives and husbands, Lehi's family would be alone in the wilderness and in the promised land. The Lord wants to make sure that this family continues into the promised land. So let's go to 7 verse 1. And now I would that ye might know that after my father Lehi had made an end of prophesying concerning his seed, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto him again, saying that it was not meet for him, Lehi, that they should take his family into the wilderness alone, but that his son should take daughters to wife, that they might raise up seed unto the Lord in the land of promise. So this second trip was not as bad as the first. Laman and Lemuel didn't complain. Or if they did, we're not told in the scriptures, but then they know they're going back for girls. So maybe this was the motivating factor. It was only the return trip home that got got hairy. Okay, let's go to verse 2. And it came to pass that the Lord commanded him that I, Nephi, and my brethren should again return into the land of Jerusalem and bring down Ishmael and his family into the wilderness. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did again with my brethren go forth into the wilderness to go up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass that he went up into the house of Ishmael and did gain favor in the sight of Ishmael, insomuch that we did speak unto him the words of the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord did soften the heart of Ishmael, and also his household, insomuch that they took their journey with us down into the wilderness to the tent of our father. So let's talk about Ishmael for a minute. He must have had great faith to pick up his family and move with the invitation of Lehi to follow them into the wilderness. Ishmael lived in Jerusalem, though it appears that Lehi and Ishmael were friends, or maybe more. We'll talk about that in a minute. We know that Ishmael was of the tribe of Ephraim. Joseph Smith said that in the 116 pages that were written by Lehi, but were also lost, that Lehi says he is of the lineage of Manasseh, and Ishmael was of the lineage of Ephraim. Now, this is important, so follow along with me. This was important because it says in Genesis chapter 48, verse 16, This is what it says, And let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So Elder James Talmadge talks about this verse in his book, A Study of the Articles of Faith, and this is what he says, Thus these descendants of Manasseh and Ephraim grew together upon this American continent, with a sprinkling from the house of Judah from Mulek, descended, who left Jerusalem eleven years after Lehi, and founded the colony afterwards known as Zarahemla, found by Mosiah, thus making a combination and intermixture of Ephraim and Manasseh with the remnants of Judah, and for aught we know, the remnants of some other tribes that might have accompanied Mulek, and such have grown up upon the American continent. I know that's pretty deep for a lot of people, but that's important that why he goes back and gets Ishmael. They are are two different lineages of Manasseh and Ephraim. Okay, back to six. And it came to pass that as we journeyed in the wilderness, behold, Laman and Lemuel and two of the daughters of Ishmael and the two sons of Ishmael and their families did rebel against us. Yea, against me, Nephi and Sam and their father Ishmael and his wife and his three other daughters. So this gives us kind of a hint of how many kids were in Ishmael's family. There were at least five daughters and two sons. The two sons were already married and brought along their families. There's some that feel that the two families were already related by marriage, that Ishmael's two sons had already married Lehi's daughters. Well, 
I can't imagine as a mom leaving my daughters behind as I journey to a new land and leave them behind in a city you know is going to be destroyed. Maybe she knew more than we did. I don't know. But maybe Soraya had more faith than me. And maybe something has been left out there. But that's the general consensus of opinion that they were related by marriage. But as they get back to Lehi's camp, each of Ishmael's daughters marries each of Lehi's sons, and Zoram married the fifth daughter. So this is where we see the importance of family. Kent Jackson says there might have already been marriage plans between the two families, and now the setting for the ceremony had to be changed from Jerusalem to the wilderness. So he's saying that maybe there was already an agreement, a betrothal, so to speak, um, between the two families that the sons um, the daughters would marry Lehi's sons. So with that in mind, let's talk a minute about the wilderness. Uh, Hugh Nibley says, we learn that by wilderness, he, Nephi, means waste, desert, and not jungle. The term wilderness does not necessarily mean an uninhabit uninhabitable waste. Rather, it means a country such as nomads may inhabit with oases and wadis where crops may be reared. So Lehi's wilderness had more fertile parts in which survival was possible. That was from his book, Lehi in the Desert. So now we see that on the journey back that Laman and Lemuel and two of the daughters of Ishmael and two of the sons of Ishmael rebel against Nephi and Sam and Ishmael and his wife and three other daughters. Maybe the difficulty of the journey became too much for those who had lived in the city and were not used to this arduous journey and on a road that had robbers and thieves. At this point, it seems like a majority of them were very vocal about it, and they want to return to Jerusalem. So Nephi now tells his brothers, wait a minute, have you forgotten that what you've seen and what you've experienced? Let's go on to verse 9. How is it that ye have not hearkened unto the word of the Lord? How is it that ye have forgotten that ye have seen an angel of the Lord? Yea, and how is it that ye have forgotten what great things the Lord hath done for us in delivering us out of the hands of Laban, and also that we should obtain the record? Yea, and how is it that ye have forgotten that the Lord is able to do all things according to his will for the children of men, if it so be that they exercise faith in him? Wherefore, let us be faithful to him. I think sometimes we get busy with our lives today and we forget the things the Lord has done for us. What have we forgotten? What spiritual experiences have we may have forgotten as we go about our day? I was writing my life story not long ago and I went back to find a particular period of time to talk about. It was something that the counselor in the temple presidency told me when I was getting ready to leave the temple. I had been the shift coordinator and he had called me in to release me from my calling as coordinator and as an ordinance worker. And he began to talk to me more about our move. We were beginning, we were going to move to Virginia. He told me some of the most beautiful things and then told me something he absolutely knew about me. Then he told me to go home and write it down in my journal that very day. And I did. And I thought I had remembered it correctly, but when I went to my journal, I realized that I had forgotten some of the most important parts. I had written down the way I felt and the testimony borne to me by the Spirit. And sometimes I think we forget the tender mercies that the Lord extends to us to help us to keep our testimony intact, those spiritual experiences that we receive in our life. And so it's interesting how quickly Laman and Lemuel forgot the things that they experienced. Nephi reminds them, you've seen an angel. You were delivered from Laban, taken your life. 
We got the plates of brass that we went back for, and we didn't lose our lives then. And the Lord is able to make a, help us do all these things. You've seen that. He also reminds them that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And he says, that's why we're out here. They put Jeremiah in prison. The people are wicked. They rejected the prophets. They even wanted to kill our father. Don't you remember that? We're going to a promised land to start over. But hey, he says, if you want to go back, go on. But remember that I told you that if you're going, if you do go, you're going to perish. Robert Billet says something that's always crossed my mind as well. He says, why didn't Laman and Lemuel just get up one morning and make the hike back to Jerusalem? Why did they keep trying to kill Lehi and Nephi? Why didn't they just go back? Brother Millet says this, Few things can stir up anger in the unrighteous as much as confronting the truth. Laman and Lemuel knew that their father and brother were telling the truth, and they were angry because of it. They were jealous and envious and proud. That was Brother Millet. I was looking through my scriptures the other day to see what things I had written in there for this chapter, and I found a quote, and I think it was from the books The Work and the Glory by Gerald Lund. It so struck me at the time that I wrote it in my scriptures, but I've long since given my Work and Glory books away, um, but this is what it said. Anger gets us into trouble, and pride keeps us there. So profound. That's exactly what happened to Laman and Lemuel. That anger got them into trouble. But it was their pride that kept them doing what they were doing. So Nephi mentions this problem of anger in chapter 16 when he says that the guilty take the truth to be hard for it cutteth them to the very center. We don't like to be told we're doing something wrong. And Laman and Lemuel, being the older brothers, did not, did not like their younger brother telling them what to do. And sometimes we don't want to be alone in our rebellion and so we enlist others to think the way we do. So in their anger, they tied him up and wanted to kill him and leave him for the beasts of the wilderness to be eaten. Hugh Nibley says that this is standard and correct procedure for Arabs when Arabs quarrel with one another to leave one's enemy in the desert to be devoured by wild beasts. He says it was not just a figure of speech. I was reading a story about a man named Lynn Hilton. He and his wife had gone to the Saudi Arabian desert in 1988, and they were trying to find Lehi's um, trail or the way that they may have gone to get down to um, where they built the boat. And he said they had no weapons, but they also felt no danger. But about midnight, he said they were awakened by this panting noise outside the car. And he said the sound was terrifying. They assumed it was wild dogs and they could just be able to throw some stones at them to make them go away. But he said as they looked closer, he said there were two huge black hyenas, bigger than any dog he had ever seen. And he said they were super scary. So he decided to get out of the car and get some stones and throw at them. And he quickly gathered up some of the camping gear as he jumped, uh, as he got out and then quickly jumped back in the car. But he said as he did, he saw four more of them coming towards the car. They had seen their camp and had come towards their camp. He said they honked the horn, turned on the lights, started the engine, but it didn't really scare them much. But soon they trotted off into the desert. But he said he told this story to a friend who worked in Ethiopia, and he said he was surprised that they had survived. He said the villagers there fear them more than lions because they come into the villages and do terrible things to humans and the animals. 
So perhaps this is what Nephi thought about as his brothers talked about killing him and leaving him for the wild beasts in the desert. But Nephi prayed to the Lord, and here again is where we see deliverance, just as Nephi told us he would show us. This is what Elder David A. Bednar said, Do you know what I likely would have prayed for if I had been tied up by my brothers? Please get me out of this mess now. It's especially interesting to me that Nephi did not pray to have his circumstances changed. Rather, he prayed for the strength to change his circumstances. And I believe he prayed in this manner precisely because he knew, understood, and had experienced the enabling power of the atonement. I do not think the bands with which Nephi was bound just magically fell from his hands and wrists. Rather, I suspect he was blessed with both persistence and personal strength beyond his natural capacity, that he then, in the strength of the Lord, worked and twisted and tugged on the cords, and ultimately and literally was enabled to break the bands. The implication of this episode for each of us is straightforward. As you and I come to understand and employ and employ the enabling power of the atonement in our personal lives, we will pray and seek for strength to change our circumstances rather than praying for our circumstances to be changed. We will become agents who act rather than objects that are acted upon. That was from his um, talk called The Atonement and the Journey of Mortality. When one of the daughters of Ishmael and Ishmael's wife and one of the sons of Ishmael saw the bands loose, they came to his defense and started to beg the brother to let him go. Their attitude had been changed when the Lord softened their hearts as Nephi prayed he would. So now what is Nephi's response to this horrible thing they've done to him? And you have to admit that there's nothing worse than being tied up and having your brothers want to kill you and leave your body in the desert to be eaten by wild beasts. His brothers asked forgiveness, and his response is this. This is in verse 21. And it came to pass that I did frankly forgive them all that they had done, and I did exhort them that they would pray unto the Lord for God, their God, for forgiveness. And it came to pass that they did so. And after they had done praying unto the Lord, we did travel again. We did again travel on our journey towards the tent of our Father. I read an interesting quote by Elder Neil A. Maxwell that said this. Refusing to forgive others is to hold hostage those whom the Lord would wish to set free. That was in a conference report. So interesting. Sometimes the Lord wishes to let others go free from the bonds we keep them in. I never thought of it that way. Again, Nephi reminded us at the beginning of his book that he would show us the tender mercies of the Lord that are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. So here is another example of Nephi's faith and the Lord's tender mercies. Brother Robert Millett said this, In some ways it must have been a sacrifice for Lehi and his family to leave Jerusalem, but their lives were spared by doing so. What about the other two trips? The main reasons the four men were commended to trek a thousand miles through the inhospitable desert were number one, the records for knowledge of ancestry and prophecy, and number two, marriages for posterity. What they were doing was tied to the past as well as to the future. They needed to preserve the knowledge and memory of one nation while producing with their wives another so that the covenants of the Lord might be fulfilled. Great quote. That was Robert Millet. This was not just about their time. This was about the past and about their future. 
we need we too need to know about our past our ancestors who we are where we came from who do i look like it tells us where we've been but our lives with our family now is also about our future where we are going how to get there and how important the covenants are that we made we have made and will make so until next time <music>